of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me, as always, is co-host Steve Mez. If it's your first time listening, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the Blaney Racing family for about two decades, and Team Blaney itself has been offering news notes and analysis to fans on social media since 2014. So go ahead and pull those belts tight and hang on as we throw the green flag on our recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Bass Pro Shops Night Race this past weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Steve, welcome back to another episode of the Team Blaney podcast. Uh, Bristol, <laughs> the Bristol night race uh, was something. Um, if you do, you do you want to recap this race? Should we should we move on uh, to the next round of the playoffs? Or as a, um, as a great as a great coach once said, we're on to Texas. We're on to Texas. <laughs> uh, I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but yeah, obviously, as you'll find out relatively quickly in our recap, um, things kind of went awry at Bristol. I was uh, lucky enough to, we made a kind of a last minute decision to barnstorm up the East Coast from Florida and make it back to Tennessee. We, we were lucky enough to go to the race in April when Bristol was on the dirt, but we really wanted to go back and experience a race on the concrete. And outside of the issues that the 12 team experienced, um, you know, I would say five star all the way experience at Bristol from uh, the facilities to the the fans. I mean, I, I thought there's, you know, a decent crowd for the April race, um, the crowd for this night race. And I'm sure it looked like it on TV too, was just insane, not a sellout, especially, you know, in comparison to the, the good old days, because they've done that thing. That's been great for fans where in a lot of the sections, they've kind of removed every other row and given you a little bit more space and the seats maybe all the way to the top under the boxes weren't full. Uh, but they did say still estimate the crowd at probably around at or around a hundred thousand. And um, it was kind of an electric atmosphere, the way they set off the fireworks around the track, uh, the C-130 uh, flyover, which I know a lot of the folks listening in the Youngstown area can appreciate the C-130 flyovers you get nearly every day anyway. <laughs> um, but as low as that thing flew over the, the track after the, during the national anthem was insane, the concerts. Um, people say this all the time, but if you have never been to a NASCAR race, if you really want to get the full experience or if you're taking, you know, somebody new to a NASCAR race that you want to get hooked, um, Bristol is probably the track that you need to go to first. You know, we took a, I think it was a nine and a half hour to 10 hour drive up there. Well worth the time there and back to experience the race, regardless of what happens to your favorite driver on the track. You got the ultimate tweet up experience too. We you did. Got, you got Bob, Jeff and Jordan. And Steve, or and uh, so you're Steve and Kevin from Virginia from uh, Kevin from Virginia from uh, Sirius XM NASCAR yeah. Radio fame. Uh, all the the NASCAR influencers and uh, wow. three key reporters were were at the tweet up, oh, and a ton the, of people, man, a ton of people key, to tweet up. The three reporters, yes. Yeah. I mean, everywhere I go on Twitter, that's the first three guys I look for. You know, last week Jordan was breaking all the stories, uh, all the important stories in NASCAR, but. Uh, yeah, that's really, really cool. And you got down to the uh, as, uh, the stage there for Ryan's um, pre-race, and he hasn't been doing a lot of those this, uh, the last couple months. So it was kind of cool to get uh, that Q&A there, too. Um, so, yeah, you did the ultimate. You I mean, you had it all going on. Um, yeah, great stuff. And I will say, and I know you've been to several tweet-ups 
if you see those on social media and you wonder what it's all about, or if you know, you don't, you don't really want to make the time because you want to spend a little more time tailgating or something, get out there. It's kind of cool to meet mm-hmm. some of these guys. I mean, um, you know, I'm a journalist as well. I don't cover NASCAR anymore, but um, so I kind of feel a little bit of a camaraderie with those guys. And I really appreciate the work that they do just from being kind of on the inside, doing stuff like that every day anyway. Um, and they're just so personable mm-hmm. and, um, that's just the whole idea. I mean, they, they don't have to do this. No one's paying them to host, host a tweet up every week. They want to meet you and, uh, kind of get your perspective and it's fun. Bob, <laughs> if anyone followed Bob Bacris over the week, um, he had a lot of fun at the, at the foam party that, uh, unfortunately we weren't up, up in Tennessee early enough to experience that, but Friday, Friday you get to experience party. party, Bob, party, Bob is, is very exciting. Oh man. The, uh, you know, yeah. If you haven't experienced one yet, if you're going to be at the track early, it usually happens before like the track actually kind of opens. Yeah. So they do it somewhere just outside the gates. And, um, uh, Bob usually runs most of them because Bob is at every race. Uh, Jeff and Jordan don't make, you know, all of them. They go, they're, they're back and forth basically on who can make what. Um, but what's really great about it is Bob will bring a guest once in a while at Michigan. It was Ricky Stenhouse jr. Uh, it just comes out of nowhere all of a sudden around the round, you know, we're the 20 or 30 of us standing there and all of a sudden here he comes, you know? So Bob, Bob does great stuff like that. Um, he will stand there and look at the people across from him and look at like, if the, the conversation lulls, he'll look at shirts and see who's wearing what shirt. And then he'll ask you a question. He'll say, Hey, what about your guy, Blaney? What's, what do you think? What, what about what happened last week? You know, and, and he'll spark conversation. Um, what Darlington, it was awesome. The 30 or 40 people that were standing there, they all had questions for Bob. How about this? What about that? What do you know about the, the Kyle Bush at that point? You know, that cause things were still up in the air. What about his truck teams? You know? So, um, it's great because he not only is like you said, giving out information and he's one of the top guys to get the information, but he's also, able to make touch with the fans and find out the things that they're interested in so that it helps his reporting down the line too. He finds out more about, well, what are they really interested in? What are these people that I talk to really think about certain things? So now when he goes into the garage area, he may ask some questions or may ask different questions just based on some of the things that were, you know, he had, he had found from people. So yeah, if you get a chance to do one of those, uh, you know, it's really cool. 10, 15, 20 minutes tops. Like I said, sometimes they bring a guest, uh, sometimes it's somebody from the track, somebody who's a driver, somebody who's a, a crew member or something. And it, it's uh, really kind of a fun thing to meet other other fans, too. Yeah. Cool thing about Bob, too. One of the first questions he almost always asks is, what's your name? Um, so, he's, so he's not you're just he's just not just talking to anybody. He wants to actually know a little bit about who you are. Um, and the guests have been great as well. I've been there where um, they've brought the three guys from Door Bumper Clear out to talk to everybody. I was there uh, the one earlier this year in Atlanta. Um, they had Justin Marks from Trackhouse Racing stops by. Yeah. And it's funny, sometimes it seems like some people just show up without telling them that they're <laughs> they're coming to, yeah. which is oh, kind of fun. Hey. Yeah, we're like, oh, hey, they're so-and-so, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a it's a really kind of a cool little experience to, you know, if you're, you know, to get social with other fans, um, you know, uh, the guys from uh, was it the lap tra- uh, lap traffic podcast. There were a couple of guys there, Michigan from that one. So, you know, we uh, we do a pretty good job. Uh, Bob, uh, Bob has a, a, a T-shirt and Jeff has a T-shirt. Um, so we know that the, they're supporting the podcast. 
<laughs> so yeah, thanks to Bob Pockris, Jeff Gluck, Jordan Bianchi uh, for their warm welcomes uh, week in, week out uh, when they can at the racetrack. So um, that was a little bit about my experience at Bristol. Uh, maybe we should jump ahead and talk about the overall experience. This was a cutoff race in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. So why don't we go ahead and do it? Let's recap Brian Blaney's run in the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. Yeah, it was almost like, you know, how you run over the coals real quick. You know, yeah. that's what I was thinking about <laughs> trying to do real quick. Just like, ah, I rip off the bandaid here. Rip maybe. off the bandaid. There we go. Yeah. You know, well, well, you know, uh, Friday they practiced, um, he was in group a once again, group a, oh man, how does he get into group B? It's, yeah. I know it's, I know it's even odd. I know that's what it is. So hopefully this week he's in group B because, uh, you know, Group A is a little bit slower by the combined times as P13, 1.74 back of the 11, but he did run 51 laps. So they pretty much ran out the practice. Um, and, uh, you know, he does make that top five in his group and group A. Uh, and then for pole qualifying, he's sixth, uh, 0.062, 0.062 back of the 10 car. I want to point that out. It's a 15 second lap roughly. And a couple of the guys made it sub sub 15 there for the, for the pole. Um, but 0. 0.062 off of the pole. You know? One thing I wanted to mention, cause I, I was curious because going into this race, and I think I mentioned it on the podcast last week, a lot of drivers were saying from like some of the sim work they did, they did. And just knowing how the car drives, they thought that the speeds were going to be up big time at Bristol. Um, people thought maybe not dangerously, but it might be kind of hard to handle. They were going to be mm-hmm. going so fast. I was looking at lap times from, I couldn't find any from like 2021 or 2020 for some reason, but I was able to get like the pole in the qualifying times from 2019 and they were running like 14, eight, 14, nine seconds. So the, you know, in qualifying, the cars were actually slower, but what we found during the race, a lot of guys, and you could actually see this at the track, um, they're running slower actually on the straightaways, but they said they could book it through the turns yeah. and you could see it at some points where I think guys were getting really big runs mm-hmm. um, on, on guys going through the turns because of how fast they can make it through. So while maybe the overall lap times weren't fast, I think they were faster in comparison to the last couple of years. They do have more horsepower at the short tracks than they did previously. Um, but, uh, yeah, you could see that there was a difference and they could do something different in the corners than they've ever been able to do, at least in the last decade or so. Yeah. Um, they do stages of 125, 250, 500, 10 sets of tires. Fuel run is like 170 to 180. Uh, pit stall 20, uh, which becomes kind of weird and important in a way, uh, which is the last stall on the front stretch. Uh, so he had the 47 in front of him, but nothing behind him as he comes around the bend. Um, so we start the race pole sitter. The 10 does take the top here with the high line, of course, ends up being the better in all the restarts all night. Um, within the first lap or two Ryan's up to fourth because of that. Um, the lap four, he passes the 14 He's up to third. Um, you know, we're looking at the 10, the 11 and the 12, one, two, three. I thought that was kind of interesting (laughs) by the numbers there at lap 30, he passes that 11 car gets up to second and at lap 36, passes the 10 car steve i was i was pumped up and i think part of it i mentioned the crowd you know a lot of the crowd still on their feet at this point um for i just want to mention driver intros you would ask me you know hey let me know what ryan's song was i couldn't even hear his song because the crowd cheered for him so loudly um which was great 
you know, every year it's, it's funny, you know, going all the way back to the Wood Brothers days when he first got into the cup series and, you know, you'd only see a few Ryan shirts here and there to where, you know, his fandom level has gone now. And, you know, hearing driver intros back there to driver intros now, you know, I think they mentioned this on race to the, the championship race for the championship. I think Kim Kuhn had said, you know, Ryan's kind of the epitome of a rock star in the cup series. And you're, I think you're seeing that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he makes this pass for the lead, people rose to their feet and cheered. And I think that just got me so pumped up specifically, you know, see him gain a couple spots on the, on the, on the start of the race and then methodically keep passing these guys and then pass all the way for the lead. And, you know, I was on cloud nine at that point and uh, I thought we had already won the race. Basically. <laughs> I thought it was a lock. I, you know, to, to me, there was like the night was just going to be who ha- who crashes when and how do the pit stops end up? And yeah, I thought I thought for sure we were top five the rest of the night and battling for it at the end would have been fabulous. But, uh, you know, <clears throat> other things are planned here with, um, you know, something we're going to see is a problem for a lot of Ford teams as the night goes on. Um, the, you know, there's lap traffic's pretty heavy. The, the 11 car does move up to second behind him. And then the left side mirror is folded in <laughs> this. I don't know where this happened, but he, so he does kind of tell jo- Josh this because he wants Josh to spot a certain way because he can't really see things coming up his left side. Um, then we get a caution for the 15 and the 21 at lap 42. And here we go. Uh, this is the tire issue that uh, the Fords start to have, and it's a camber issue. And uh, they, these guys found something in their simulations that said they were faster, and it obviously was true. Um, qualifying is, is a good uh, indication of this. Um, there were a lot of Fords up there, and um, unfortunately, as what people don't get is that it doesn't happen right away what happens is they start with low air pressure at the beginning of a run the damage gets done to the tire right then and there in that first couple laps but it's not enough damage to like rip the tire apart and then about 30 or 40 laps into the run that damage that was initially there it wears to the point where there all of a sudden it blows the tire and this this like i said this ends up happening all night it's all um, uh, risk versus reward too. It's like, like you said, the Fords not all year haven't had a ton of speed, but when you see what happened in qualify or practice and qualifying, and then you see Ryan in a Ford drive his way straight to the front mm-hmm. and, and take the lead. Um, there's the reward and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll find out what the risk is going yeah. a little bit further. Yeah. They, you know, they, in the practice ran 51 laps on one set of tires. So you know, they take those tires off. They, they inspect them. They, you know, to see what's what with them. But like I said, uh, these things change. Uh, the, they go in, uh, pitting from the lead. They come out second here. The 11 car does, does pass on pit road. Um, six cars stay out. So this is where we start with this whole flipping around some strategies, people going long. Um, so he's eighth for the cone. The six is the leader. He takes the top. Ryan takes the top. The restart lap 50. Um, about uh, lap 55, he's, a, he's he's up to eighth. He had to pass a car or two. Things got stacked up on him a little bit. Um, lap 64 passes the 20 car up to seventh. Um, at lap 73 passes the 10 car up to sixth. At lap 86, he passes the eight car. He's up to fifth. And then at lap 93 is, is when things change for the night. Um, it's a flat right front. Um, it's caught and he catches the outside wall. Um, there is a caution for the 10. At yeah. The, the 10 actually 10. Spun, spins or something. Spins yeah, or or something. Yeah. So he had an issue. 
So there's a caution. So now they're trying to hurry up and bring it down pit road before pit road is open to make the change. And then of course we tail end if they do that, but you know, hopefully won't lose a lap doing it. And, um, there's some sort of communication issue. Uh, you know, we don't want to get into huge detail. Um, I'm going to refer people to uh, other podcasts because I know that if, if they do talk about it on, um, on stacking pennies, that Flores will kind of tell you or walk you through what it is. Um, they should talk about it there. I'm probably, they probably will. Um, but from what I could tell, what I could see, uh, they, they change the right side tires. They come around, change the left side tires, and then they, they pull out before that left rear is secure. And I think there was a miscommunication between pit crew, uh, uh, crew chief and Ryan, uh, because he pulls out before the, before the right side's done. And I don't know if they were going to just change the two tires and change the tire, the right front, basically. Um, not sure if the damage happened when it hit the wall with that right front, and they're causing some of the problems later, but he goes down pit road, that left rear comes off and bounces down pit road, about 10 to 12 pit stalls. Um, they bring him back. He spins the car around to go back up pit road and he spins it around back around again to hit the pit box. Um, so not sure if damage happened there also. Um, so, you know, they, they fix it here and I think they're there on the damage clock at that point. Correct. Yeah, they're they're on the DVP. Right. They they get the car fixed up to where they think they are. Mm-hmm. Ryan gets back out on the track, and I know you're listening to the radio. And he immediately, you know, within the first, you know, I think even probably even before they went green, but within the first lap, like he's already radioing in, like something is something yeah, is wrong. Right, and it, you watch the TV version, and it's nice. You know, you get you do get TV coverage of this. Uh, unfortunately, it's a bad situation, but you're getting the coverage. Um, talking about the back end is low. Uh, something is broke on the back end. Ryan on the radio is saying that he believes it's a toe link. It's bent. And then they just break it basically. But the good news is they do run um, a sub seven. It was 1753 is what they needed to run or faster to get off the clock. So they do run that lap that gets them off the clock at least. Um, Sparks and, were flying. I mean, yeah. I don't, I didn't get to see it. I saw it in person. Honestly, it was a little bit scary. It seemed like they were trying to run as far as they could, maybe even try to get to the end of the stage if at all possible. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there was a point when you saw he just could not, you could see it just breaking more and more and he just couldn't handle it. He was sideways out of the, out of a turn, out of the turns, mm-hmm. sparks flying everywhere. The leaders were catching them like, you know, really fast. And I'm sure they weren't very excited uh, yeah. to have to get around them. So um, man, it was just, I had gone from that high and I'm sure every fan that's listening, uh, same deal had gone from that high of being the, one of the fastest cars on the track. Even actually when he got back in traffic there, they mentioned on PRN, he was running the fastest lap times, mm-hmm. uh, before the, the tire went down. Yeah. Um, and he just wasn't in the lead yet. So I'm like, man, we really, it's not just getting out front. He has a fast car, but to go from that high to, Mm-hmm. you know, being a couple laps down to, okay, they got back out there. Well, you know, let's see what they can manage from here to see the cars, you know, really, really damaged. And then people are, you know, <laughs> yeah, people are upset that he's out there running yeah. in the first place. They, Man, um, it was just a little bit deflating and I'm sure everybody yeah, they, felt that. At lap um, 115, they do pit again um, and put wrenches in the back end of the car. They tries to raise the back end up with, with, with yeah. the wrenches. Um, 
and at this point, you know, the toe link snaps. Uh, the six does win the stage. Um, so by lap 130, they're like 18 laps down and 36th and last. Um, and they just stay there a while uh, in the yeah, pit box too. For in the a pit long box, time. yeah, they're in the pit box for a while. Um, at that point, yeah, like four cars with right front tire issues. You know, they're all yeah, forwards. it just keeps happening. Yeah, yeah, the 17 leads the restart for stage two. Um, lap one, let's see here, 140. We had a caution for the 21 with a right front flat. <laughs> Lap 140, um, Ryan's 28 laps down at this point. Um, the hood's up, and um, they're you know, uh, they're trying to you know, mind you, this is the this is the over the wall crew. This is not you know, this is the actual mechanical crew. This is not yeah. the pit crew. Um, we've explained this on a podcast before. There's two sets of crews. You know, pit crew comes over the wall, jacks the car up, changes the tires. At this point, this is uh, all Raymond Fox the third's crew. His guys mechanically are out there guys are calling other cars i tweeted a picture last night um and and uh you you know you re re retweeted it team blaney retweeted it and uh it shows um they worked on the car they didn't they didn't quit they didn't you know i understand that it's a bad situation and you don't want it to happen but uh you know how you respond to these kind of things and what you do and how you get up off the mat that's how you're ultimately going to be judged and these guys were still working on the car um, and they're fighting and they're trying everything they can to get the car back out there. And, um, there luckily, is a, yeah, I was going to say there is a point when I'm not sure if they were asked to do this, but they didn't move the, the car behind the wall. I think some lap, of that had to do to get more lap 163. Yeah. Um, and they, they, they weren't asked to do it. Um, but, uh, Jonathan had him do it. He was going to have him run all the way around the back, uh, around pit road one more time to the, to behind. And Brian was like, well, how about I just back it up? And they go, yeah, just back it up. Cause they were, this is what I was saying about being in pit stall 20, uh, at, they were at that end of pit road there. So literally he just backed it up 30, 20 or 30 feet there. And then went behind the wall. They had, had a, a pit box sitting there. It's a Pennzoil yellow the uh, pit box sitting there ready to go so somebody had gotten that pit box into position um or toolbox and a pit box but toolbox yeah. into position they used and, to call uh, them crash carts i don't know if they still yeah, have them after yeah. they got on with the dvp stuff but yeah yeah so um yeah like that's at lap 163 they start working on the car back there as a matter of fact uh dave nichols uh, mule posted a picture of that last night too. a picture of the guys you know they got five guys on that car the hood is up two guys are underneath the hood we got one guy who's basically in the right front rear uh, wheel well uh, somebody you can't tell who is on his back up underneath the car on that uh, passenger side and they got it all jacked up i mean they were just doing everything they could to fix it to get it back out there and it's interesting is just like the the what they did at daytona um it gains positions. That's the funny part is the night goes on, you know, they're 36 last place, but, but that's not where they end the night. Um, so and they have to do this because at that point early in the race, now there's going to be a lot of crazy things that happen to playoff drivers the rest of the way. Um, but there was no guarantee that they were going to make the playoffs. Still, honestly, when he crashed in the first place, I thought we were done. Yeah. Um, and it, it there's a point when maybe it, they could have been, uh, but there's enough that enough attrition that happens the rest of the way to where the tide changes a little bit, but they couldn't take that chance Yeah, that, they, um, that things were going to be fine. They needed to get out there, run laps and gain as many positions as possible um, as the night went on. 
at this point, they were actually 12 above, above the cut line. And there was actually two other people between him and the cut line. So, you know what, it wasn't totally comfortable. You're correct. Mm -hmm. But um, it wasn't as bad as you thought either. It wasn't like, wow. you know, right, you see the damage and you think right away, oh, this is over with, you know, the season's done. What could have uh, make it, what could have made it bad is Harvick winning. Because well, that, that immediately, been, yes, and Carvick was running in the top five yeah. for a majority of the race. But like I said, there was two, at least two people between him and the cut line at that point. It ends up being three people between him and the cut line bef before the night's out. So sure. uh, lap 195, we get a caution for the 43 and the 21. Uh, lap 200, I got him here almost 90 laps down. Uh, the 17 is leading at this point. Um Three Toyotas with power steering issues at this point, the 45, the 23, the 19, uh, the 11 and the 48 may have power steering issues too. Yep. Um, lap 234, caution for the 11 with a right front flat, <laughs> you know, Ryan's 125 laps down at this point. Um, but they're still, like I said, they're still working on the car. Um, the leaders pit, the 20 takes lead uh, pit road. And uh, when they restart there, well, actually that was the end of the stage. So um he does win the stage too. So, uh, as it runs at that point, Ryan's 139 laps down, um, at that point, six points above the cut line. So yeah, a little scarier here. This is, this is the point where I was, you know, once they got done with the first two stages, then you kind of knew where you were at because everybody got their stage points. So now it's just where everybody finishes. Well, yep. at that point in time, there were a lot of guys up running for the lead who were going to cycle out. They would stayed out, and when it all comes down to it, the next 250 laps are not going to be up up where they were. So that changes that cut line too. Um, so Ryan and Josh were actually talking about points to the cut line. Josh tells them uh, three spots to gain when they go back out. Yep. So Josh tells them, you know, we're fixing this for a reason because if we go back out, we can gain at least three more spots, and that's three more points. So. Um, lap 260 they do come back out uh they get a penalty for too many men over the wall they had to serve so they basically go down pit road one more time no big deal at that point just you know um at uh lap 268 caution for the 18 hitting the wall there and uh ryan says hey that helps our cause too you know because the 18 ends up leaving the race too um second oops. engine issue for them in yeah, three weeks a couple weeks and uh just crazy for him you know his uh, what ends up happening to him as the race goes on is really interesting because at this point he's above he's still above and uh, i think he left you know he, he he did end up coming back out and doing an interview so you know i know people are like critical when he stomps off or whatever he went in but then he came back out he did an interview he did it very professionally uh for the tv tv audience um but the thing is, is uh, at that point, he thought he was still in the playoffs too. And things shook out a little differently as, as it went. Um, Ryan's a 152 laps down at this point. Um, and Jonathan just tells him, be smart, run all the laps, you know, so don't get yourself knocked out of the race. Uh, caution at lap 278 for the 99, the eight, the 43, the three and the 47. I know this was real pop popular in, in your seats. <laughs> this uh, happened. Uh, yeah. Right. Directly in front of us. You just saw the 99 come off the corner and I'm sure they showed it on TV as well. Um, he was struggling all race long from the drop of the green flag. And he, you could just tell he did the handling that car. I don't know what they did setup wise. That was different from the one, but he just loses it. 
And um, honestly, <laughs> him losing it and making it through this crash is actually what ends up getting him uh, into the next round because of the the attrition that occurs here with uh, two guys that are that are in the championship uh, hunt. I'll give um, Jeff and uh, Jordan credit for the, their their podcast. They they talked about it on their podcast. They uh, uh, heard that the, the the term porpoising. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Formula One people know yeah. that, so, where the car kind of like does this you know kind of waving thing through and it was happening to 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 uh to daniel during practice and he said they swapped out all kind of things between practice and and the actual race and it was still doing that from the start of the race so he was having problems with the car just basically bouncing on him all night long coming in and out of the turns and it just culminated there at that point and uh took out some cars with them that changed their playoffs um as the night goes on too and i think actually the the three in the eight I think they get together on this mm-hmm. and in this crash. And, um, and I think the eight said, you know, he got run over essentially. And um, it's kind of unfortunate. You just remember a couple of weeks ago, the eight pushing the three to the, the victory at Daytona and getting both RCR cars into the playoffs. And then essentially both RCR cars are knocked out of the playoffs in one uh, also in an instance of one car uh, mm-hmm. making contact with the other, though <laughs> this wasn't a friendly teammate situation that was an unfortunate accident. And uh, mm-hmm. I guess on to 2023 and 2024 for them. <laughs> um, at this point, uh, I got lap. <clears throat> excuse me, lap 289. I, I, I took a note on something here and I'm going to, once again, you know, everybody's going to hammer everybody about the bad thing that happened, but let's talk about positive things here. And uh, Jonathan and Raymond Fox, the third and his guys, uh, the repair work they did. Here's an interesting stat at lap 289. The leader ran a 15.221. Ryan runs a 15.634 four only four tenths of a second off the leader fixing all those things that were happening yep. to that car so um and you could tell they got it fixed pretty well he and you you mentioned a little bit ago too that jonathan kind of asked him not to put himself in any bad position so you could tell the car was fixed he could keep up he was still getting lapped but i think some of that was just being cautious too mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, now mind you, four tenths on it on the you know in a fifteen second lap, it adds up really, 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 really quick. But for the amount of damage that car had, for the you know when you saw it on TV with the back end sparking and the fuser hitting the ground and everything that happened, to get it that quick and to be that quick with you know and be able to you know pass some other cars, you know, mind you, you're whatever laps down to them, so you're not passing them on the track, but um, you do end up passing some cars who, who end up leaving the race because you're able to do that. So at lap 311, um, John, uh, Josh does kind of guide him as the, le- as, the, as the leaders pass him by there. Um, at this point, he's 23 points above the cut line. So not too bad. You know, they've gained, got back out there. They've gained some spots. Um, at lap 352, we get a caution for the 43. Uh, he does pass the 19 car at this point. So he's up to 35th. Um, they do pit. They're too fast uh, in section seven tail end. Uh, yeah. you know, they're not he's really back worried. there anyway. Yeah. Not really worried about that. The five, uh, five is leading at this point. Um, he is uh, in 35th, 154 laps down, but 24 points above the cut line at that point. Um, uh, lap uh, 387, the six takes the lead here. Uh, at lap 400, the 23 pulls off. This is part of the Kyle Bush situation. Um, 
they're trying not to hammer Kyle Busch on position because I think the 23 car was four laps short of passing Kyle. Um, at lap 413, the six gets a flat tire. <laughs> the 20 takes the lead. And this is that whole thing with cautions. Um, they don't call a caution for his flat tire. He gets down. He gets a couple laps down. Uh, Ryan does pit under the green at this point because they're like, you know what? Let's just get tires so we yep. don't, don't crash ourselves. Uh, the 10 goes behind the wall at that point. Um, at lap two, uh, four, 26, Ryan passes the 23 and the 18. Uh, he's up to 30, uh, 33rd. <laughs> Um, lap 436, a 20 gets a flat tire caution for him. Caution immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He gets the caution right away. Uh, the five takes the lead. Um, Ryan is 25 points above the cut line at this point. Um, I was definitely feeling a lot better there yeah. when I was definitely at my most nervous point when he was six above and the four was still up there and had a chance to win the race and things were going to get sketchy from there mm-hmm. at this point in, it's all about survival. So there's still the, and I don't think there was enough cars that to where he, if, if he did crash, that would have been a problem, but feeling at least a little bit better. I was enjoying the race a little bit more. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. as worried because yeah. I, you know, prior to that, I spent, you know, a couple hundred laps watching them fix the car. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, feeling a little bit better at this point. Not as good as I was, you know, that 30 laps in, but. Um, the. Um the two car is one point below the cut line behind the 18 at this point. Uh, the four car loses a tire in the pits. Uh, the 11 also has a problem losing the tire. Um, Ryan does pass the, uh, 47, the 48 and the, and the three in the laps to come here. He gets up to 30th at 159 laps down. <laughs> um, the 22, uh, goes ahead and pulls in with his issues. So the two passes him 17 is a leader at this point um at yeah lap- the 22 it was a, another one that had a flat at, at yeah. one point and then hit the wall and get some damage and then they just weren't right the rest of the way no um lap 470 is up to 30th 160 laps down uh, but he's 26 points above the cut line and at that point the 18 the eight the three and the four are the ones that would be out of the, out of the thing and uh that's what ends up happening the 17 wins uh ryan does finish 30th he does make it to the round of 12, um, which tells you how good the first two races were, um, you know, stage within, point wise specifically. Right. You know, uh, so uh, same thing coming up in the next couple of weeks here. But, uh, you know, just go back over the, the 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 race itself and, you know, just the attrition that happened over the over the whole race between um uh, you know, from the bottom up, you know, we had steering, steering engine accident, accident, DVP clock on Dylan. Um, you know, so you had like the six, eight guys that just were out of the race, you know, Amarola steering Logano, it says suspension tight. Dylan was steering, you know, just this, this track just chewed up cars. And, um, like I said, a lot of it was the speed they were in and, and the travel into the corners and the load on the cars, and, um, yeah, they're definitely gonna have to figure out something before they go back there next year in, uh, in, uh, September. So uh, one thing I want to say is, uh, congratulations to RFK racing, and this isn't a fluke win for them. The six and the 17 led the majority of the race at different points. The six was probably going to cruise to victory until he had his tire issue. 
Uh, Scott Graves makes a great call. I think learned from earlier in the race, taking two tires there for the 17 who raced his way out to the lead and held on. And, you know, he's been close uh, multiple times this year. He's definitely been the highlight of RFK racing this year. And um, kind of like Bubba, he's another guy that, you know, picks up his second cup series victory. Um, maybe had it weighing on him a little bit. The fact that the race that he did win, uh, I think with front row possibly at, at Pocono where it was fog, fog. shortened a fog, fog on a Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Yeah. a fog shortened race that probably weighed on him, you know, yeah. Chris Busher's won a, a cup race, but, but you always have that asterisk. Oh, but it was fog shortened just like Bubba. Oh, but it was rain shortened. Um, you know, a couple weeks here where, you know, two guys uh, that had, you know, asterisk wins, if you want to call it that went out and, you know, dominated and, uh, and go out and win the race. So congrats to them. Um, we do have some uh, housekeeping follow-up to do on, um, on the 12 team. I know we want to get to points, but maybe we'll, we'll discuss points after this because yeah. there, there are implications here yeah. going forward. And as the fact that, you know, as we, re- we record on, you know, Tuesday after the race, something that we were nervous about over the weekend. Uh, We thought maybe we'd hear about it on Monday, uh, but it did officially come out on Tuesday. The fact that three members of the number 12 crew have been suspended for the next four races. As of now, that includes crew chief, Jonathan Hassler, uh, crew members, Graham Stoddard, who's the Jackman and Zachary price, who's the rear tire changer, all for the wheel coming off on pit road. Now, the wheels have come off on pit road. I think specifically for the 20 car and the Ford happened and just even in that race. Um, and in other races, wheels have come off on pit road, uh, the, the 23, uh, with Bubba Wallace. I mean, they had one come off completely in a race earlier in the year, but they also had one come off on pit road too. None of those teams were penalized. Um, the difference here, I would say is Ryan was pretty well out of his pit box when the wheel came off and the wheel went, significantly significantly far and at a pretty high rate of speed down pit road so i think that kind of tied nascar's hands on this if it was like the four where the four was basically still in the box and the crew was kind of able to corral that that wheel before it got out uh, maybe we wouldn't be looking at this so at least as of now and we we kind of joke the fact that every time we record something will break on like a wednesday morning mm-hmm. that that kind of uh upsets us a little bit because we don't get to talk about the news but as yeah. of now those three members are are suspended for the next four races obviously the biggest one being crew chief jonathan hassler but team penske does have the opportunity to appeal this Um, the big thing in talking with you that, you know, if they do appeal is the fact that that defers the suspension, at least for another week or for whenever they can kind of get in and that, that appeal done. So Jonathan and Graham and Zachary would be able to continue on, uh, as they go to Texas next week. And, um, Texas is a, is a big deal where pit stops count. So maybe you Mm -hmm. do want to appeal and keep this crew together at least one more week before we hit uh, Talladega and the Roval. Yeah, there's, there's a couple things. Um, you know, one is that, you know, they did win Texas earlier this year on, on the all-star race. People and forget that. that. <laughs> and it was that, and it was that pit crew. Okay. So, you know, uh, not to get into this whole thing with, oh, well maybe this guy or that guy. Um, but the thing is, is, you know, swapping out guys. Yeah. They can try and do it, but the big thing is clean it up. Um, this is something that I've heard, uh, multiple people say, Jonathan said it on the radio before, 
Um, and uh, Josh said it before, it's like they just have to clean it up. And it's a term that they use it, 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 with, with this type of stuff. Um, you can have 10 good pit stops in a row and no one will notice and no one will say a thing. And then you have that one bad one and it, you know, it seems catastrophic. Uh, but like, uh, like I've said before, this is uh, you know, these types of things you learn from them, you get better. You try to not have it happen as often. Um, you need to have three good weeks in a row, no matter where they are within the standings that we're going to go through. You need to have three good weeks in a row. You've only, you're down to 12 now and you go from 12 to eight, you know, it's going to be that way. Uh, so, you know, just hopefully they clean it up no matter who's, who's out there this, uh, this Sunday or the Sundays to follow. Um, the one good thing about keeping everybody together for that one more week, uh, if they appeal and, it, and then, you know, the uh, suspension doesn't happen start till the next week is Talladega is the next race after that. And Talladega is three to four pit stops tops. And as long as it's not a green flag pit stop, you're in pretty good shape because it doesn't matter where you come out, you know, yep. yeah, you're going to, you know, you're going to be in the pack and you have to, maybe you'll have to race through the pack a little bit or whatnot, but um, you know, and then even on a green flag stop, you might only take two tires in and you're just waiting on the fuel so that you make the fuel run. So um, yeah, I mean, do, do you don't, do you want anything like this to happen? No. Um, but uh, you know, even if Jonathan's not at the track, uh, he's still crew chiefing. Uh, they have these things set up where he'd be like in a command center somewhere and they'll be able to look at data and be able to communicate to whoever is on top of the pit box to have them do whatever they need to do. So I'm not extremely worried about this situation. Um, it does, will mess up the continuity a little bit of the pit crew uh, because you do have to bring some other guys from other places. And that's another thing. Where do you get them from? You know, is the guy who's pitting, uh, you know, you know, on the, the, the tire changer for one of these other cars going to be a lot better. You're going to be, you know, are going to throw the timing off, <laughs> you know, I'm sure they're going to practice together. They're going to have some of these uh, scenarios worked out, but. Yeah. The know. only thing I can think of is that they might, um, they might bring some guys from the 21 crew just because the 21 uh, is out of the playoffs. Uh, mm -hmm. The two car did squeak in the next round so all three yeah. penske cars are in so it's not like they can just you know the 11 and 18 yeah, just are swap swapping crews. crews so that that's not going to happen right now at least in this round so um the 21 is out there because that's a team that penske is supplying their pit crew to them so that might be where they 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 pull some guys in so maybe you might even see a familiar face or two mm -hmm. end up back over not sure so um not something we want to see this is not a positive thing in any you know no matter how you feel about how the season's gone this happening in the playoffs is not positive. Nothing about it is positive. And I'm sure nobody on the team thinks this is positive, but so we just in a wait and see mode, uh, maybe we'll know something, you know, when you're at the time you're listening to this on Wednesday, mm -hmm. uh, whether or not Penske is going to decide to appeal this and defer at least the suspensions for now. Um, I'm not sure if they do appeal, whether um, they would win just because of the fact of how, I mean, you know, I saw the replays on, you know, uh, the jumbotron thing that hangs there at bristol um so you could see that wheel bouncing pretty far and pretty fast down pit road and ryan's car you know a couple of uh spots away out of the box so um i don't i don't know that the appeal actually works the only thing it would do is defer it at least one week to where they can try to go out there and have a solid race at texas mm -hmm. so 
why don't we go ahead and um, we'll pull up your uh, playoff points board and we can kind of talk about this because this is when the points reset as we go into this next round of the playoffs. Yeah, that's the most interesting part about the whole situation is now each round it resets, it resets back to the points that um, everybody had gained as far as uh, the uh, wins and uh, stage wins and, and where you finish in the standings. And um, what's really interesting about this round, this first three races of this uh, playoffs is we had three uh, non-playoff guys winning. So nobody gained any extra five points there we had a, a, a stage point here and a stage point there for a couple of the playoff guys um but with uh the busher and, and and those guys winning those races um you know it doesn't really line up in that manner so uh ryan actually is four points above the cut line to start with um and he's tied with uh christopher bell denny hamlin um he's only two points behind byron and what would be six points behind larson seven points behind Chastain. So they're all bunched up now. So close. Yeah. Without we said anybody... this in the first round too, yeah. but man, it's just so close. Yeah. Last year, Larson was winning races down the stretch and then winning races, uh, uh, you know, uh, within the, within each round. And he was just piling up all these extra points. So every round that they reset, you know, Larson got to the round of eight and he really didn't have to do anything for a race or two, you know, he just had to get a couple stage points here and there or, or a couple uh good, good stage finishes, you know? Um, and this year, nobody's really pulled away. I mean, Chase Elliott is the top at uh, 30, uh, 30, 40 there. And, you know, the bottom is Cindric at 3,006. 3, so it's only uh, 36 or 34 points between first and last. And within a week, you could cut that you know, pretty easily into half. And then within two weeks, you could have passed those guys, you know? So, and Chase Elliott, uh, did not have the best. It's awful. Uh, yep. He was the first two races of the last round. Now the Bristol race, he did, did finish second. So he made up some ground. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not a guarantee having, you know, having those points now at the beginning of the, of the, of the next round. So, um, you look at those guys on your board that are below the cut line, uh, Briscoe, Bowman, Suarez, and uh, teammate Austin Sindrick there. Um, the de deficit that they have right now can be made up in one stage, one stage. at Texas. Yeah. Uh, if they have two solid stages at Texas, they could be, you know, probably depending on what everybody else does, they could be, you know, top five in points, in points coming out of that race after, you yeah. know, when they went in under the cut line. So, yeah. So, um, and, and what's interesting is that this year we've had the, the, uh, and that was at 19 different winners, so you've gotten to a point where guys who are outside the playoffs are more than capable of winning. And now you've eliminated four guys, but Martin Truex, Kyle Bush, they could go win Texas and not be in, in, you know, have another winner. That's a non uh, non playoff guy. So um, ultimately you'd love to just see Ryan win one and take all the pressure off. Um, but this is the one race of the bunch where things are going to be somewhat normal. Um, whereas the, like the racing will be somewhat normal and, uh, they're, uh, you know, going to have stages and have a chance. at good stage points, you know, where the weeks after that, um, get crazy, you know, Talladega to try and race to the end of a stage and try and be in that pack and yet be a top 10 finish, you know, in stage one and stage two are going to be totally nuts. And then who yep. knows about the ending of the race. And then the Roval the week after that, 
Um, guys are going to be racing. Some of them will be racing the race backwards because maybe they're in a points position where they need to win the race. Whereas other guys like Ryan did, uh, the year he won the Roval, the first year of the Roval, uh, Ryan was racing for stage points in the first two stages. Cause all he just needed was some stage points and, uh, to finish a, a, above a couple guys. And he had succeeded in doing that was running and third. did such a you're <laughs> running third running really well uh, and all you know they told him pretty much just stay out of trouble don't get wrecked don't get yourself you know off the course um and uh you know he ends up winning it but uh th- this this week here is the the one normal race where you could race to the end of st- stages and not have to try to play some sort of alternate strategy um to to get uh, the victory so and um you know uh, America's crew chief Larry McReynolds all week so far has been saying, um, you know, you're not going to win the championship at Texas, but you can lose your shot at a championship at Texas because of the way this round sets up. As you said, the chaos that can happen at Talladega and honestly, the Roval, the, it's not even strategy that worries me because I feel like the strategy thing at road courses has been really weird since stage racing happened. Um, it's the fact, it's the volatility. You as a driver can spin out at any time by making one mistake you can also get spun out at any time by making one yeah. mistake so you yeah. keep you know ryan could be leading the race he could be in second he could be in third in awesome position uh to make the cut and get spun out lose 20 positions and then immediately you know be out so or or, or, or go down in a turn one on a restart and have everyone barrel into the barricade <laughs> <laughs> yeah not that that's happened before somehow he got through that that time but uh yeah. So, um, yeah, this is, uh, this next, next three races are really, really interesting. Um, uh, Texas, like I said, they, they won the all-star race. Um, they're going to be preparing the track with the ri- ri- horizon resin and, yep. resin and, uh, and dragging the, the tires too. So they're going <clears> to <throat> try really hard to make it a two, two lane track if they can. Um, we'll see how it works out. Uh, so it won't be quite the same track they raced on for the all-star race. So the weather, um, it's going to be a day race and it's supposed to be like 95 degrees on Sunday there. So, you know, it's just going to be quite an interesting weekend all the way around. But, um, if they show up with the speed that they had for the all-star race and, uh, you know, just, let's just, let's get our points and get our thing going on and let's get it going forward. Um, like I said, we, we're going to leave behind what happened at Bristol at Bristol from here on. And let's, let's put our eyes forward on what we got to do, what we got to accomplish. Uh, like I said, these guys are fighting hard, um, never giving up and uh, you know, positive energy is what, what, what would be the nicest thing for people to do. You know, let's not accentuate the negative here. Let's get positive. Let's get behind them. Let's help them out. Show them that we're there for them, supporting them, cheering them on. And uh, you know, can't wait to see what happens on Sunday. So you've talked a little bit about uh, the Texas race in general. Let's take a look at Ryan's stats, obviously. And this isn't going to show up on his, his main stat book here, uh, since, but he did win the all-star race earlier this year. I kind of made the joke, you know, people forget about that. And they do, you know, you know, 19 win, well, new winners this year in, well, in the, in the cup series, but technically 20, cause the, the 12 you, car did go, go to victory lane, but it just you, wasn't in a points paying race. Did you watch the, um, the uh, NASCAR, uh, special they put out on uh, monday night i haven't on, yet on, on the YouTube channel on the former the drivers that came up through that that, that next program next program yeah they, they they talked about um the uh window net incident 
on there. <laughs> a couple guys called out BS, um, but they, he did he did explain exactly what he did and how he did it. Um, and then he said something about telling Bubba to shut up and I'll, I'll write you, I'll write you a million dollar check. Heck, to, uh, that's great. Yeah. To <laughs> shut up. So, um, you know, if you get a chance to do the NASCAR's YouTube channel, that was out on Monday and there's actually going to be more editions of that, uh, coming out. So, uh, it's kind of interesting to hear those guys perspective, but, uh, they actually did talk about the all-star race, uh, with Ryan on there. So again, Ryan went to victory lane there earlier this year at the other race at Texas. Um, and going forward, Texas is only going to have one race starting next year since they're going to lose this all-star race date. Uh, but Texas itself, which maybe is bad because statistically one of Ryan's best racetracks uh, in 13 starts, he has seven top tens, three top fives. Uh, average start is 8.6. Average finish is 16.4. He does have three DNFs. Uh, he's led a lot of laps here, 403 laps total. Um, last few finishes here, going back to the fall race in 2019, 8th, 7th, 4th, and 6th. Um, his first two races at this track with the, the 21 car weren't actually that great. Uh, 42nd, 43rd, first three, 29th. Uh, but after that, 12th, 12th, 6th, 5th, 2nd. Uh, then one other bad finish in uh, the spring race of 2019 where he finished 37th. Um, but like I said, 403 laps led seven top tens, you know, he's, you know, this car is almost a guarantee, uh, at least with this team to finish in the top 10, as long as they don't have any kind of issues when it comes to a crash or anything like that. Um, and then Ryan also, I believe he is an Xfinity series win that he has at Texas as well. Uh, yeah. so he has visited, visited victory lane there. Um, it would be really great to see him, you know, back again in, in the cowboy hat in the, in the pistols and, and have it being in a, in a points paying race at such a crucial time of the season. If you want to catch this race, since we haven't run through the, the TV information net yet, it's this Sunday, September, September 25th, the auto trader, auto trader, echo park automotive 500 Texas motor speedway. You can catch it at three 30 PM Eastern time on USA. And then on the radio with PRN Sirius XM NASCAR radio, they are going to have practice and qualifying on Saturday. And then again, the cup series race at three 30 PM Eastern time. Uh, the first race in the round of 12 of the NASCAR cup series playoffs and that opportunity for the 12 team to kind of hit reset, um, see what crew we have available for this race, because that's going to uh, throw things for a loop a little bit. Uh, but I think Ryan knows this track. They had a good setup earlier in the year. They just have to see how this setup translates uh, to the knowledge that they know now of the next gen car and also maybe the temperatures and the changes in resin that they they're putting on the track prep. So, um, I'm always going to come into the round with positive energy. I want them to go out there and gain stage points. Honestly, if they just get really good stage points in the first two stages, like they did the first two races of this past round, it's going to make me feel a lot better, but we do have to remember he is only four points above that cut line. Yeah, but I wouldn't look at that cut line. Like I said, I wouldn't look at that cut line just yet. Let's just get through a week or two, and then, and then, then you know what you have to do for for week three. But you know what? This week or next week could win the race. So let's just do that and get it over with. And uh, be let's that just do that. Why don't we win every week? Just, just, just yeah, you know, just do that. Just do that. You know, <laughs> so, so you know, it, you can sit. Like I said, you can sit and wallow all you want about things that have happened. 
But uh, the, the reality is, is you have to put your blinders on. You have to put your eyes forward and, uh, you know, your eyes on the prize. You have something you're trying to accomplish and you still can do it. So you, you go move forward and, and do the best you can with what you got. Speaking of sitting back and wallowing in our defeat, let's move on to an <laughs> update. Going. <laughs> an update in the Team Blady NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Um, I'm going to go through and I, I, I didn't have an awful week, but it's still one of those situations. Honestly, I think I was my points wise was pulled up a little bit by doing pretty doing decent in the featured matchups. But let me go through the, the starters that I had uh, for this past week at Bristol. I had Denny Hamlin uh, got me 28 points. Joey Logano only got me 10 points. Kyle Larson got me 40. Chastain got me 40. Harvick got me 28, which was decent. And I had Tyler Reddick in the garage. And quite honestly, uh, that worked out fine because he ends up in a crash. Uh, Bristol Motor Speedway. I said really great and glowing things about you earlier. Um, I know you offer one set of Wi-Fi there, uh, but unless you're in within that five feet of Wi-Fi range that it <laughs> appears to have at that racetrack, um, you are not going to be able to get online. So there was zero chance that I was going to be able to update my garage, but I didn't need to anyway, because I had Tyler Reddick in the garage um, for my featured matchups. I picked Christopher Bell over Bubba Wallace. That worked out. I picked Kevin Harvick over Kyle Busch. That worked out. I picked Chase Briscoe over Austin Dillon. That worked out. Uh, the only one that I got wrong here was I picked Tyler Reddick over Ross Chastain and Chastain actually bounced back in this race with a sixth place finish. Um, who did you have in your lineup going into this race at Bristol? Uh, let's see. Denny Larson, Bowman, Bell, Harvick. It's okay. Bowman had, is your, your down spot. In yeah. That, I, down think, spot. Right? I actually had Ryan in and I hurried up and swapped him. So I was smart there, got him out of there, but um, yeah, I mean, it's okay. Uh, like you said, Bowman was the uh, was only five, and Ryan would have been seven. So it was kind of like eh, one one and the other. Um, one, uh, let's see here. I had uh, Bell over over Wallace. I had Harvick over Kyle Busch. I did have Austin Dillon over Briscoe. That did not work out. I had Tyler Reddick over Chastain. That did not work out. So half and half there. Um, but overall, not a bad bad point stay. Um, Everybody had issues, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about those points. Uh, so let's look at the top 10 in points earned in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League at Bristol Motor Speedway. In 10th, Angie 12 with 198 points. In 9th, Go Larson with 199. In 8th, Clyde Schickamit Racing with 201. 7th, Rochi 12, 202. Tied for 5th, we have Frygal 12 and JD Racing with 203. In fourth, we have Team Penske with 206. In third, Moose 1616 with 209. In second, No Hesitation with 212. And an overwhelming victory here for Moose Hunter 1960 in the first position with 226 points. Uh, so I'd like to know what that lineup was. Uh, they must have really hit on something. Uh, for you, you finished in the 20th position with 183 points. I finished just a couple spots down, a few spots down in 24th with 176 points earned this past week at Bristol Motor Speedway. Now let's go through our several uh, levels of other uh, lists we need to go through. In the playoff standings for the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League, again, things did reset a couple of weeks ago, uh, more than that, three weeks ago when we went into the playoffs. So 
the top 10 there. And uh, okay. Uh, in the, in the 10th position, Semper Blaney, 602 points. Mez 12 back up into the top 10 here in ninth with 607 points. Eighth factory of sadness, six, six, 11, Angie 12, six, 19 and seventh in six, go 12, go six, 28 and fifth Rochi 12, six, 30 fourth. Ah, seven, two, three, 631 points in third Frygal 12, six, 34 in second, no hesitation with six, 43 and out to a pretty commanding lead right now in the first position in the playoff standings for the team Blaney NASCAR fantasy lively. We have moose 16, 16 with 677 points. Now, let's go ahead, as we're still keeping track of this, take a look at the overall standings. So these are the points earned all year long in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. Rounding out in the 10th position, we have Blaney Kicks Beep with 5,301 points. In ninth, Eric D15, 5,321. In eighth, Rogue Tough, 5,324. Seventh, Dalai Lama 4, 5,339. Sixth, Moose Hunter 1960, 5,353. Fifth, Factory of Sadness 6 with 5385. Fourth, JD Racing with 5396. Third, Math Mom 4. She slipped a little bit over the last couple of weeks, 5,427 points. Second, the defending champion, Glide's Chicken Pit Racing, 5,461. And in the first position, Team Blade and Ask Our Fantasy Live League. In the overall standings, we have Fry Gal 12, 5,487 points. And Steve, I don't know. We're not doing, um, I'm not doing so great in the overall standings. 27th position, 5,046 points. But you, you did, you're doing pretty decent. You did take the lead in your household, though. I did just barely. Well, not barely, actually, by about 30 something points. So um, I'm in 27th. You still pretty decent here. 16th position, 5,209 points. You are less than 100 points out of 10th. So you have something that you can shoot for here. That's what I'm trying to get to. Trying to get there by the end of the year. Got got seven more weeks to work on that. Um, Stand and, you know, move up the standings in the uh, playoff uh, also. So I'm not too far away from that either. Uh, So, yeah, you know, keep working on it. You know, every week is a new week. And uh, like like you've said before, just uh, when, you know, you could be in that top 10 for that week too. So come on out, play. Don't forget to set your lineup. Uh, uh, wh- who are you thinking this week? I just actually pulled up the stats on the past several winners at Texas. Now I know we're in a new car and we said that didn't really matter. Um, now I know we have had a lot of different winners this year, but a lot of guys that are good at tracks at racetracks are still good at racetracks. Eric Jones is good at Darlington, won a Southern 500. Eric Jones goes out you know, in the next gen card wins another Southern 500. So I think it is a little bit closer than maybe we thought things could be earlier in the year when it comes to uh, finishes for guys, when it goes back to their history. So looking back, I'm going to go to 2017, the fall race at Texas, because the spring race, Jimmy Johnson won. So Jimmy Johnson tends to be my cutoff uh, Mm -hmm. when I, when I go back to previous winners. So we have the last several winners here since 2017, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson. Uh, so a lot of names you saw in here multiple times include Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle Busch a couple of times. Uh, the last person to visit Victory Lane in a points-paying race is Kyle Larson. So who won the last mile-and-a-half race that we just had? Technically, Eric jones but no, but, but no, that's no, not no, that no, darlington's no, no. totally different yeah that's not last animal mile, but yeah no, the last mile and a half was kansas uh okay yeah bubba wallace 
the and, Toyotas, the Toyotas and, are strong. And Denny Hamlin will be the guys to look at. It's the two, two those two Toyotas. And you know what? Kyle Busch right now has, well, none to give. You know what I mean? He's got none to give and he can go ahead and do whatever. And uh, I'm he's still going to race to win races because that's who he is. So look out for Kyle Busch this weekend. And this is the race in 2020 when, remember, he hadn't won a race all year long in 2020. And he went out and won Texas. Uh, it was, you know, it wasn't, you know, an, ex- an amazing win for him. I think he may have already been out of the playoffs at that point because uh, Texas was a little bit later in the year. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about Kyle Busch uh, with the, the speed the Toyotas have. I would not be surprised if this is the week Martin Truex Jr. goes to victory lane as well. Yeah. Um, they've had a lot of bad weeks in a row here. They were among the, the drivers that had the steering uh, rack issues at uh, Bristol. Um, so wouldn't be surprised at a bounce back week for uh, Martin Truex Jr. Ryan is probably going to at least, depending on what qualifying does, at least be in my garage because, again, you know, he was the last person to visit Victory Lane at Texas in a cup car, though it was at the All-Star race. So um, I think I'll wait till Saturday, as usual, to set my lineup um, and see where everybody shakes out in practice and qualifying just to get kind of get an idea, especially even just to see where Ryan's at, because that usually depends on whether I start him or, or put him in the garage. Yeah, uh, hopefully, um, you know, the things that they show at, at Kansas show up and, uh, the you know, the top forward, you know, he was top forward pretty much till till everything happened uh, at Bristol. He was a top forward in that last round. So um, hopefully just continue that kind of success, have that kind of speed. And, uh, you know, I think I definitely I haven't I don't think I've actually put in the lineup last week or two. So I got I still have four or five usages of them. So. I got to hurry up and use them here um, while they're uh, still relevant, you know? So Steve, I think that pretty much wraps up this week's episode of the team Blaney podcast. One thing I want everyone to do um, is, is keep following along with team Blaney on Facebook and Twitter, because as soon as we know any news about whether team Penske is going to appeal uh, this issue that they have with the pre- with the pit crew, uh, we'll pass that along. You did mention the fact that uh, Skip Flores, uh, Ryan's front tire changer, might talk about the issues that they had on pit road on stacking pennies. So breaking news here, uh, as we record this podcast, they did tweet out a clip of Flores uh, talking about what happened on that stop. So um, obviously we want you to listen to our podcast, uh, but you know that's another one that you bring up all the time, stacking pennies specifically mm-hmm. since you know one of Ryan's guys is on that on that as a co-host of that podcast. So it sounds like uh, Ryan Flores or Skip Flores will kind of go through some of the issues that they had. So go ahead and listen to that as well. Uh, but for now, I want to thank you everyone tuning in or one, thank you everyone once again for tuning in to this episode of the team Blaney podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to our very first episode that dives deep into our Blaney fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and Twitter at team Blaney and on Instagram at team Blaney. And finally, we encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization championed by Ryan and his family supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. Find out more about the foundation online at ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org or on any of their active social media channels. And Steve, just last week, we had a representative from the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation on that was Leah Reeves Blaney, the daughter of Dale Blaney. And uh, she gave us a little insight on some of the events that they have coming up that they're going to be supporting. Yeah, the two uh, two walks coming up uh, at the beginning of October um, at uh, Watkins Glen and, uh, of course, down at Charlotte. Um, and uh, all you do is go go to the Alzheimer's uh, walk uh, pages 
Uh, they're actually, you can search for the teams on the page. You just put Blaney in there and those teams come up and you can join those teams or you can put your own together uh, and uh, look and see where your local walk is and join that way. Um, usually there's one in, in pretty much every area I know in Youngstown here where they, they will have one up at, uh, up at Youngstown State University uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So, you know, make sure you go online. Um, they put all the links on there on the team uh, on their page there for, for the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. Uh, we always try to repost those links when we can and uh, join up. It's a it's a fun little thing. It's usually on a Saturday morning uh, in your area. Uh, you know, spend a couple hours meeting some other fans. Um, uh, if, if you can join those uh, Team Blaney teams, that'd be really cool to do. So like I said, listen to last week's podcast. And I'm sure within the week or so, I'll probably retweet or repost that interview with Leah Reeves because not only does she talk about those upcoming walks that are going to support the Alzheimer's Association, she kind of recapped the year from the foundation from some of the other events that they've held and then the recent uh, talked about the recent Lou Blaine Memorial. So as Steve, Steve said, go to the Alzheimer's Association website, um, click on the information about the walks, and um, yeah, join uh, either the, the team, two Team Blaney teams that are happening at Watkins Glen or Charlotte. Uh, but the biggest thing overall, you know, they just want to support the Alzheimer's Association. That's a, a, an association and a cause that is near and dear to the hearts of the Blaney family. Uh, so no matter how you want to do it, if you just want to donate, if you want to walk, if you want to join their teams, if you want to start your own team, go ahead and do that. And uh, let's just support them the best that we can. So, for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Good night, Dublin. 